Welcome. You're listening to the CMS Podcast, where legal experts and industry leaders give you key insights on current legal topics. In today's podcast, we listen to a panel discussion on developing an ecosystem for digital real estate assets. The panelists are CMS partner Katja von Kranenberg, New Alchemy CEO Niels Veinstra, FOE Financial Opleadings Institute partner Jap Hürnink, and Block Fund founder Rudolf Nana. Vastgoed Belang Managing Director Laurens van den Oort moderates the discussion. The podcast is recorded during the Tokenized Assets Conference in Amsterdam. Please visit our podcast channel for other podcasts in this series. Enjoy the podcast. Next on stage is uh, Laurens van den, van den Noord. He's a chairman of Vastgoed Belang. After his introduction, he will introduce the next panel as well. Uh, you can this take this mic and yes, give Thank it you go. very much. Thank you, Lance. Thank you. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Actually, I'm not the chairman uh, yet, perhaps, but I'm the managing, uh, the, sorry, the general director of uh, Vastgoed Belang, which is literally translated as real estate interest with the Association for Private Real Estate Owners in the Netherlands. Um, it's actually a special year for us. Uh, we uh, are celebrating our 125th birthday, or 25th lustrum, or a, a one and a quarter century birthday, which has a nice ring to it, I think. Anyway, we've been around for a long time. Um, we represent uh, private real estate owners and are there for their interest. Uh, we have about 5,000 members. They, are, they range from very big to, to small. Um, they own residential real estate, but also shops, offices, everything included. Um, for our members, we, um, there's three things we do. Um, big chunk of uh, what I'm working with, I've been working on is the, um, uh, the lobbying part. Um, we represent the interest of uh, private real estate owners uh, in the Netherlands at the Dutch Parliament, uh, but also at uh, the provinces and the, 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 the level of the municipality. And those of you who are Dutch and read the newspaper know that there's a lot of work to be done there because there's a huge package of regulation being um, uh, produced now uh, to regulate the up to now liberated, uh, I don't know if it's exactly the right word, but uh, part of the housing rental market. So we lobby on that part. Um, then we also uh, organize a lot of meetings for our members uh, so that they can meet each other, there's networking involved, and we provide uh, different services. Uh, there's uh, free judicial advice, um, advice on how to improve the sustainability of your uh, assets, uh, etc. So shortly, that's about the association of Vastgoed Belang. Um, finance, of course, is a very important part of, uh, of uh, real estate, very important for our members. Um, and things are, are moving fast. There's a lot of change. Uh, no, nothing endures but change, right? Both uh, in private life as in business. Um, only half a year ago, my name was actually Laurens Miserus. But then I got married and I had a discussion with my wife. So what to do? Is it going to be your last name? Is it going to be my last name? She was like, well, I don't want to give her my name. I was like, well, me neither. So we had a discussion and 
no conclusion, and then we discussed it again and again. And after some time, I figured, you know what? Uh, up until relatively recently, it wasn't even possible for a woman to keep her own name after getting married. So I was like, well, it might be, it might be nice to do it the other way around for, uh, for once. So as of this year, I'm no longer Laurens Messiers, but Laurens from the North. Was it difficult, this change? Well, at the beginning, yes, especially telling my father, by the way. Um, but now every time I pick up the phone with Laurens from the North, or I receive a package, Laurens from the North, I can see my wife lighting up a smile on her face, and I know, well, it was, it was the right decision. Now, I'm assuming you're not here to hear about my private life, so I would just like to see if this big change that might be coming to the real estate sector, the blockchain technology in real estate, is that going to put a smile on the faces of my members, for example, of real estate professionals? What can we expect? What's going to happen? Um, now, I'm not an expert, um, uh, so I have a lot of basic questions, like, is it happening now? Are there parties already using blockchain in real estate? And how? What does it look like? Uh, are there obstacles to be overcome? Uh, what risks are involved? What positive impact could it achieve? And what would we need to change to, to get there, to make it happen, to get it to fly, to lift off? Well, um, to discuss those questions, uh, I'm now happy to invite four panel members who know everything about this topic. Uh, so can I please ask uh, Nils, Jaap, Petra, Woodolf to come to the stage with me. So before we start the discussion, um, it would be nice to know a little bit more, of course, about our panel members. And for that, um, I'd like to ask uh, each of you a, a question. Um, and in answering the question, maybe you could also uh, say something about um, what exactly you do and how you got here today to talk about uh, blockchain, about the digitalization of uh, real estate. Um, to start with uh, Nils. Nils. Very welcome, of course, as well. Um, could you explain to me what it is you do? And I'd like you to use the word boxer in your answer. You know, one of those fighters. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I introduced myself also this morning. So you guys have a pretty good idea what I'm doing. Um, the boxing thing is kind of funny because I know where it's coming from. And I'll tell you a very quick story that was, that also was brought up um, briefly this morning. Um, so, for instance, there is a very famous boxer and he has a house in Vegas. And uh, that house was sold to, an, to an, a guy in the crypto world uh, who wanted to hedge his bets. Because Bitcoin was at $19,000 per Bitcoin. And he could get his hands on this piece of property that has a um, definite incremental value because it's the home of a very famous boxer. It's been in movies, the, the tigers living there, uh, all that kind of stuff. And uh, you could buy that house for bitcoins at 90,000 bucks. Um, he actually got also below market value to begin with, but right now that, that house is basically underrepresented, underrepresented with about three to 400 percent, basically, or a factor of three, factor of four. So uh, my eyes popped open a few weeks ago, and I, I saw this, uh, this, this owner two, two days ago in London. And I asked him, I said, would it be a good idea to tokenize the house? Just give me the house, or we put it in, an, in a BV in the Netherlands, for instance, 
and we give you half the shares, the other half we give to the public, and they can invest in this really famous house. And with the proceeds, you can redo the house a bit better. You can, uh, yeah, you can renovate it, and um, you can sell it. And uh, I cannot say the token is going up in price because I'm not supposed to be a broker dealer, but I think it's a very nice proposition and a very cool way for the public um, to do a crowdfund uh, mechanism to get their hands on a very unique piece of property that actually also benefits the owner. So that's, that's kind of where the, the boxer, I think, came from. Thank you. Very nice example, I think, of how blockchain is already being applied uh, in this famous house. So it's not done yet, by the way. It's not done yet. We work with the boxer, and he kick my ass if I tell you. If he knows about this, he'll kick my ass, so don't, don't say anything. Right, right. <laughs> so keep this to ourselves. Cameras <laughs> off, please. Uh, well, <laughs> too late. So thank you very much. Um, Petra. Yes, sorry. Did I say Petra? Kacha. I'm really sorry. Kacha. Could you tell us um, how uh, an employment, employment law expert uh, is now here on a panel discussing the digitalization of real estate assets? Oh, that's a good question. No. Uh, I think uh, maybe that's also because I'm an employment lawyer. Uh, when it comes to technology, it's all about knowledge. It's all about making sure that people are educated, that they understand how technology works, how it's implemented. And what I really like is the combination of employment and tech, which brings it back into the human capital agenda, for example, in the Dutch Blockchain Coalition, where we try to increase the speed of um, knowledge uh, for students in colleges, universities, uh, on blockchain, on blockchain uh, possibilities. Also be critical, when would you use it, when would you not use it? And it starts with knowledge, because if you don't educate people, students or employees uh, or employers and corporates, we cannot really speed up the implementation of blockchain. So that's why I'm here. Thank you. So next to you is uh, sitting Rudolf. And um, well, there's per Paris, there's Madrid, there's Prague, uh, there's even Moscow. But uh, Rudolf has decided to uh, go to Budapest to do business. Why Budapest? Well, uh, I come from the recruitment business. Uh, I worked there from, uh, in 12 years, 12 years long. Uh, we were searching for jobs here in Amsterdam, in the whole Netherlands. Uh, but the people we were searching in uh, Hungary, Romania, later the whole EU. But yeah, we, over time we opened the office in Budapest. I moved there, then I stayed, now I live there. Then I found out it's a really booming real estate market, like many cities here. But then I found also out that uh, the fastest growth is being made in Budapest, in the whole uh, Europe. So then I thought it's a really interesting, uh, yeah place to uh, invest in real estate. Okay, tell us a, a little something about uh, how uh, you are investing there. What are you doing exactly? Uh, I started last year uh, yeah, to buy small apartments uh, and change then uh, the interior in a smart interior. And I call this concept micro city lofts because uh, small apartments, yeah, it wouldn't be enough for people, because if we take the four walls of 30 square meters, yeah, it would look like a hotel room. Your bed would be in the middle of the living room. This is not how people want to live. So then, we are looking, uh, I thought in Asia, they have this problem for decades. 
there they found a solution in smart interior. So this concept I wanted to bring to Budapest and then I was doing it apartment by apartment, but it goes very slow. I wanted to do this in a bigger way, building by building, but for that I need funding. So yeah, this That's is That tokenization comes in, right? Yes. Okay, thank you. So next to me, last but not least, uh, Jaap. Um, what would you say? Are you first and foremost a financial man or a teacher? Well, maybe I'm first of all a teacher and that's why I'm very delighted with Katja's words. It's all about education because I think it is. And uh, in the last year I discovered something strange. Uh, Jeremy was just talking about the disruptive sector uh, referring to building. But uh, my business is educating people in the financial sector. And, well, I would also refer to that as a bit of a disruptive sector. And uh, last year we discovered when we started uh, uh, courses on blockchain that uh, the, the, my usual uh, 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 people who followed my courses um, usually come in and say to me, well, Jaap, what are you going to learn me? But now when it's about blockchain, they come in and say, we don't know nothing and we want to learn everything about it. So this sector really needs, uh, really needs education. I think that's very important. And as a little illustration, uh, I would say uh, uh, this week, uh, actually on last Monday, I uh, went to the notary to uh, make the selling of my house uh, definitive. And um, what happened was, I of course, I asked for a redemption, uh, red redemption, um, uh, regressed to the bank and uh, the bank gave it to me and it looked quite okay so uh, it was paid but afterwards um, I discovered uh, uh, at least two uh, faults in the redemption regress so it was a bit of a mess so that's what that's why I think uh, it's a kind of disruptive sector and the uh, the human error should be uh, should be cut out of uh, this kind of transactions and uh, blockchain might help with it. Yeah, so there's uh, room for improvement there. And I think so. The traditional banks are um, not uh, living up to it, is that it? They can make mistakes. Um, as of, uh, well, until last year, I actually worked for the Dutch Banking Association. Um, so we represented the banking sector, and um, there we, uh, for several years now, also had the discussion, of course, so uh, everything we see happening with fintech, with uh, other small players that are agile, that are fast, that are smart, what will it do for the financial system, for, for, for banks, can they survive? Uh, um, but now um, that I'm working in the real estate uh, sector, I must say that, um, well, this is, I think, the first meeting uh, I've heard of even that discusses this, uh, this uh, change, uh, the technology, in relation to real estate. So perhaps, um, and the question is to all of you, um, you could uh, give, give us some examples of uh, this technology already being applied in relation to real estate. Is it, is it happening already or not? Yeah, I think, I think there are two distinct, uh, distinctive um, terms. You have prop tech and you have the investment part of it. So. Um, I know of a company in the U.S. called CProp. They have uh, they have an, uh, they work with uh, with uh, Zillow, a very big uh, a portal uh, in the states. They also work with Remax, one of the biggest uh, real estate agents in the states. 
they have an app, and the app uh, you walk through through a residential building, and you basically have a checkbox, and uh, and the realtor checks the boxes. This room looks like this, so big, so many windows, whatever, and all this stuff gets uh, put on the blockchain. Uh, what they're basically building is almost like a Carfax, or how you call it in Holland, it's the National Autopass, I think, in Holland, for buildings. Uh, that's a very powerful tool for sellers and buyers, uh, as well as for the real estate agents themselves. So that's that's the prop tech part of it. Uh, if you look at the financial part of it, or the uh, finance part of it, it's, it's a bit different. We were in London uh, two, two days ago, and we spoke to a property developer in, in the Canary Wharf, who was telling us that they have all these big buildings going up, and it used to be that if the building goes up, they have a whole line of people outside the door for the open house, and they, and they sell out every single apartment they have inside those buildings. But not so much anymore. They sell 80%, 85%, and the rest is still a, a, a golden market. So he said, what, what I like to do is I like to have a sales office doing the open house for people that want to buy the units, and then a sales office for people that want to buy the tokens in the remaining, say, 50% that I reserve for that. So now I can have people that have less money invest in part of these uh, units, and they actually benefit from the rental income. So you create an income stream for those people as well, because people would like to have additional income. So that's there's also an, uh, a use case that could be developed, and which we are looking in, uh, at actually uh, as a company in uh, London. Uh, Rudolf, is that the application you're also looking at? Well, we are looking uh, to it from the funding part, uh, but yeah, it's not being happening a lot yet. Uh, simply, I think, because the regulations are very complicated, uh, because uh, you want to make funding for real estate, then you have to simply follow uh, traditional regulations. They exist, uh, and yeah, and they, they are uh, complicated to, to follow, especially for startups like us. Mm, yeah, for the, for the funding part, uh, so I, I did this search. Uh, I want I want to do funding in, in this new type uh, with, with crypto funding, but I found there is no straightforward solution yet. So every advisor, every lawyer you speak to, they would come with another solution. Uh, other countries, Switzerland, uh, Netherlands, uh, Malta, uh, but also uh, how you set those uh, things up. Everybody has another opinion about it. So when you, when it comes to funding, it really comes to uh, my decision where I have a good feeling with, and build uh, my own decision myself of a solution. So I think in um, real estate you see a couple of things. There's a group focusing on what would it look like if we would have object identity, so not only self-sovereign identity for people, but also object identity. It's a group that the um, Royal Notarian Association, the KMB, is also working on. The uh, PropTech, as Niels explained, um, we, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. If you start building a building, I think the people from the company Luke already do that. They register all the materials of a building on the blockchain. And if you would register everything that happens all around uh, regarding one building, so finance, insurance, maintenance, who rents, what are the payments, Imagine if you want to buy such a building, how easy it would be just to open the blockchain and have all the information time-stamped uh, instead of having lawyers, uh, tax advisors, banks, everyone working from their silo to give you information about a property you might want to buy. 
Um, so that is something which is really interesting. We work with the people from um, Legal Things uh, One Network on creating live contracts. And basically we translated uh, lease contracts into smart contracts. Uh, and if you would store all of that on a blockchain, I mean, I think there are all a number of live solutions already uh, happening. Um, when it comes to, of course, tokenizing real estate in the Netherlands, you do not really buy an actual piece of the property you buy. It's basically a contractual agreement. And I know there are people here sitting in the room who are already doing that, so who could also share. Walter, maybe you want to say something about that later on, on what you're doing. So things are already uh, happening. So, so, yeah, Walter, it might be a, a good time now if you would like to explain what you're doing. I'll be, I'll be right over. Well, it's actually not us that doing it directly, but what we developed is a, uh, a platform called Bondex, and it's actually a platform for selling uh, corporate bonds. Or, and one of the, the customers that we have is BrickChain, and they are actually running a real estate investment fund. Uh, so that's a fund, I think it's uh, just under 5 million, because that's because of the AFM regulations in the, in the Netherlands. And they are basically allowing you to use it as a savings product. So you can invest for, I think, 10 euros, you can buy one of their bonds in their funds, and they are actually buying the, the houses, I think, in their case. Yeah, so that, that is happening, but as Katja said, you're not yet directly buying a piece of ownership into a building, because that's simply legally impossible to do at the moment in the Netherlands. Still, I'm surprised uh, by what you said, but for 10 euros you can participate, right? Because usually in an investment fund you need, what, maybe 50,000 or maybe even more before you yeah. can, but this is, this is really a... Most traditional um, investment funds start at 1,000 uh, euros in the Netherlands, but they, they went down to, uh, to 10 euros because, yeah, the whole administration, everything is organized on the blockchain, so they have very little cost for actually maintaining the bondholder registers and all that stuff. And of course, the next big step that they are working on is to actually, they, of course, the tokens are transferable. So the next thing is to actually make a secondary market where you can actually trade them uh, and sell them. If, because that's another big problem with real estate funds in the Netherlands, that you invest in them and they maybe have a four, five, six year lifetime. You can't get out. Yeah, so it, when the token is tradable on the blockchain, you can actually get out on a secondary market and you can try to sell it again. Of course, Liquidity will be a big question mark, but at least technically you can try to find a counterparty and sell your uh, your bonds. Thank you very much. Yep. So uh, I can already now distinguish two different types of application of a blockchain technology. Right, F first of the um, the finance, which uh, as uh, as I can hear now. Um, well, Walter's story reminds me of the democratization, right, of the finance of real estate. If you can participate with only, what, 10 euros already, uh, very low cost, it means that a lot more people can get access to this real estate uh, market, which I think is, uh, might be a very interesting and uh, maybe even impactful development. Uh, the second application um, is um, actually putting all these different uh, bits of information about an object into a token. So not just the finance, but also, uh, well, the, the, the circular material maybe even that it was built with that 
could be sell, sold again later, the uh, rental income, uh, the, the price of course, all these things you can put into a token and that might actually uh, upset or at least impact in a positive way perhaps um, the structure, the ecosystem that we have now with all these professionals around it, right? the, the notary uh, most um, Notably, but also uh, other, uh, like the, the, the manager of the real estate. Uh, perhaps it would be interesting to, to look in, into that second um, example, the second application. What would this mean for the way that we are dealing with um, uh, real estate transactions now at the moment with so many different parties involved? Would anybody like to go into that? Yeah, I would say uh, uh, you, you get a lower threshold for entering in the real estate market. When I look to my uh, my trainees, uh, I, I could divide them in two different groups. Uh, on the one hand, uh, I see the group of people who have a lot of money and then sometimes also have a lot of uh, real estate, but they're looking for uh, for leverage uh, for improving their uh, their yield. So I think that would be an important uh, uh, target group. But on the other hand, there's also a group of people uh, nowadays entering uh, real estate markets. Young people, uh, usually not so fortunate uh, to have a lot of money. But for them, actually for them, uh, the threshold will be much lower to enter the market. And uh, so give a boost to uh, what the possibilities in that market with their knowledge and their uh, added value. I see a good functionality in uh, tracking the building process because everyone, one of us who, know, who has bought a newly built flat, somehow it always uh, gets delayed. And also never you got informed about it. Uh, you have to ask it yourself and maybe they wouldn't even pick up the phone. You have to try five times. The, all this information about the whole building process, I think that could also be good uh, on, on the blockchain. So every buyer of those flats, they can follow the whole process transparently. I think it leads to much more transparency and also um, obliging uh, notaries, insurance companies, lawyers to work in a different way. And if you would have all of this organized on a blockchain, I'm looking at Frederik Prince, who is here from uh, Lexit. Uh, from the uh, basically first uh, marketplace eBay for M&A transactions on the blockchain. Just imagine that you can just basically upload your information uh, on the platform of Lexit and in that way sell parts of your real estate. I mean, it makes the whole process much more transparent, much more efficient, much lower cost if you want to step into transactions. So I see many benefits actually. There's also a uh, uh, cost savings benefit and also uh, a value a increasement benefit as well. Uh, there's a company out there, and uh, they do they do data sharing of 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 of, of the uh, of the energy performance of big buildings. We were in uh, Singapore at a conference back in, I think it was August last year, uh, and we were uh, at the Marina Bay Sands Hotel, and I was reading about a building, and the building cost I don't know 1.3 billion to build or whatever it was, and it was live in 2006, and in 2009 they decided to rip out 42,000 light bulbs and replace it with different light bulbs. Uh, the cost savings after five years was so much that they thought, the building owners thought that they would en enhance the value of the property by 5% just by the light bulbs. And they did it because they were comparing real-time data on their energy 
uh, consumption and performance with similar buildings around the world. Uh, so, so, um, so having these kinds of systems in place and having stakeholders actually act, uh, actively be part of it can also actually enhance the value of your assets and also save you money. Very interesting. So we, we've identified several um, uh, opportunities now, the upside of, uh, of a blockchain, applying blockchain in real estate. Are there any risks involved? Is there a possible downside? I think the really big risk, the really big thing is also, I think, is the big elephant in the room, and it's called crypto and token and all, the, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, uh, the people that I think should be entering this market and they will be entering this market are still, for a large part, scared away uh, by, by terminology and connotations that, that are there from the past. And I think um, Jaap was talking about, uh, about teaching people how to use new tools and new, and new technologies. I think as an industry, the blockchain industry or the, and the people that run the crypto industry have to do a much better job also uh, showing people how to use these things. How does a wallet work? How do you secure things? Uh, what's a private key and how do you, uh, and what's a decentralized uh, application versus a centralized one? And what does it entail from a security point of view, a hacking point of view, all these things. I mean, uh, I look in the room, I see my father sitting there. He is, he's 50 plus. <laughs> I mean, I mean, would you really think that he would put 8 million euros in a crypto wallet or something? And then he says, well, it's on a treasure in your desk drawer. Of course not. I mean, and, and, and how does the wallet work? I mean, uh, just to set it up with, 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 with verification and everything, it will, it will take him probably three days, if it's not longer, uh, if, I'm, if, if I'm not around to help him at least. But I mean, so, so I think from an, from an industry perspective, there's a lot to be done also to actually onboard people because they do not understand or know how to do it correctly. I think it's uh, the challenge, and I see many people working on that, is bringing the old world and a new world together. So the new startups, scale-ups in real estate tokenization, bring them together with traditional parties. What we see in the Netherlands is that the notaries are very active in exploring how does a blockchain work? How would a real estate transaction on a blockchain work? Uh, is the only limitation the notary that you must go to in person? We see other um, regulators participating. So if you would bring all the new together, that would speed it up. So I don't see the risk. The risk would be if people uh, opt out, if they think, well, you just go ahead with your new thing and I will do it in the old way. You need to bring those, those two together. It's, I think it's an opportunity in the end. So yeah, yeah. I re re really agree. Uh, I wanna, uh, when I said it, when I started uh, uh, the talking this afternoon, I already said, um, when I look to my students who come to the blockchain training, uh, they're mostly people from the financial sector and uh, they, d they almost know n nothing about it. So there's a lot to be done. And uh, sometimes uh, when I give a different training, not about blockchain, I start with uh, I have a, like a teaser with blockchain and a lot of people start laughing about blockchain. Ah, that's nothing. That's just bitcoins. And, and as long as people think in that way about it, uh, well, we really need some change. And uh, I, I try my best at talking enthusiastic about it and teaching, teaching some things, but that's what we really need to do, make a change and uh, make people aware of the possibilities, but also of the risks. Uh, and what we need is, I mean, we need to have good, uh, good actors. Uh, we, have, uh, we have to incentivize good, uh, incentivize good behavior. 
I mean, uh, I come from the industry that does events, like, like these events, right? And uh, we've done these kinds of events. We've asked banks to host them, for instance. Uh, eight out of ten times, the bank would say, not in our building, because you guys are going to talk about crypto, and we, want, we don't want to talk about that stuff. However, if you talk to the banks themselves privately, they're doing all this stuff right now, but they don't want, the, the, the connotation can be, can be tricky. So what we really need to also safeguard, and it's also why it's great that we are hosted here today at CMS, which is actually the biggest tech law firm, I think, in Europe, if, if, if I'm not mistaken, uh, to show that this is actually not a, um, a topic subject anymore for people in shorts and t-shirts. I mean, there's people in suits here and uh, with, uh, with, with, with careers, and, uh, and the average age is not 23 years old either. So, so it is real, it's there, but we need to make sure also going forward that, that, that we do it right. But if I can say something in favor of uh, banks, I see a lot of banks that are very active in this uh, area and really experimenting and uh, joining hackathons. Uh, ING is uh, very focused on uh, their tech uh, activities such as ABN, Rabobank. So I really see things happening uh, in the banking industry. Uh, but mainly, I think, the front runners in those banks, but things are happening. Well, thank you. Uh, we have a few more minutes, so I think we need to uh, to, to round up. Um, but before we do, I'd like to um, ask the public um, to agree or disagree with uh, with the following statement, okay. having heard uh, this panel. Uh, so, if I say the tokenization of real estate assets will greatly reduce the costs and increase the efficiency of real estate transactions. Would you agree or not? Can I see? Yeah, so uh, I think about two-thirds are believers, so you've convinced the uh, public very well. Anybody, would anybody like to um, comment on this uh, statement? I would like to hear from someone who did not raise his or her hand. Yes, who did not uh, raise their hand, who does not believe in the... Well, now you can raise your hand. Anybody who kept their hand down before? Yes, sir, can you? <coughs> yeah. Uh, I how do you solve uh, the liquidity problem? When you want to buy or sell your real estate security token. That's what I think will be quite difficult. That's indeed still a question. Only the, the market can tell us, for example, in our, our case, we will first go through the funding process. Uh, then token will be created. Uh, later on, it can only be tradable, but for example, this issue is not even solved yet by any country. I think Malta takes the lead now, and everybody's talking about July, and we hope they will solve it. I believe they will solve it. But of course, when it enters the exchange, only then the market can tell uh, if there is any liquidity. Of course, you have market makers who live from the spread, and maybe they will trade in my token. But uh, only the future can tell us. Actually, I think the question is very valid because uh, um, you, you have to have distribution, otherwise it won't work. I mean, garbage in, garbage out. It's very simple. I mean, um, and I'm a very strong believer in tokenizing existing assets uh, and make those available to a larger group of investors. So, for instance, the, uh, the example in London where you can, uh, in addition to buying a unit, also buy parts of the units you actually open up to a new breed of investors. And I was talking to a pension fund in London uh, on Tuesday, and they explained that they have two buckets. They have a bucket of 
um, assets that they consider liquid and, and bucket of assets they, uh, that they consider illiquid. Real estate is considered to be illiquid in their uh, point of view, but it's actually a very strong asset because of the value uh, it represents. So if we can actually unlock that asset and bring it into the liquid pile, you unlock basically the holy grail of, uh, of uh, liquidity. And that's what you strive to do. And it's, it's, it's difficult, but I think that's where you get to. If you, and it's not, I'm not talking from the funding part, uh, uh, point of view, but if you uh, tokenize existing assets and make them available to more people, that's where you can get, I think. Okay, well, I think that's, uh, that's uh, actually a nice uh, conclusion. Perhaps, uh, Rudolf, you'd like to add something? No, uh, it is indeed very interesting to look, uh, to see how the future turns out, because what we want to do is basically an, an IPO, but you can say a mini IPO. One of the speakers in the morning called it also a mini IPO. Yeah, will people tra trade in that? That's, uh, there's no answer today. It's a risk, I take that risk. I'm spending loads of money on lawyers and marketing to get this funding. Uh, everybody advised me, why not the traditional way? It's much cheaper. Nobody has problems with funding the traditional way. Uh, but li I like to do it uh, this way also because I believe for a startup like us, you have an experienced team. You have the real estate developer in our team has 45 years of experience actually here in Amsterdam, building uh, thousands of homes. Uh, but um, for as a group together, we are a startup, and for the funding part, traditional way I believe is more difficult, especially in Hungary. They asked me. I spoke yesterday to the biggest bank in uh, in Hungary, and they asked me how much I would be happy with. I said three million euros, and then they said, "Oh, that's a lot of money, and uh, that will be difficult." In crypto world, they are laughing about three million. Uh, and I talked to platforms. They have like a, li a minimum limit of 5 million euros or 10 million euros. So this is one of the reasons why I tried a new way. But it's not cheap. Does it come cheap? If you're still looking for finances, uh, perhaps there was some in the audience today. And uh, well, <laughs> there you go. Who knows? So uh, to, uh, to wrap it up, uh, if, uh, one, one time again, uh, hands up if you think that within five years, the tokenization will be the dominant method of financing real estate. Within five years, it will be the dominant method. Who says, I agree? Some doubt, but there's still some, some people believing in it. All right. Well, I guess only time will tell. Uh, change comes fast, so who knows? Uh, I think we've had an interesting debate about the application, the possible application of uh, I was, for example, also yesterday speaking to a uh, real estate developer. They're also creating funds. It's an, uh, they're big in uh, Eastern Europe, but their fund is in, based in Luxembourg. And yeah, they are experimenting. That was already surprising for me because I thought I was like a uh, uh, first uh, mover. But then this big, very big company also already investigating and they want to take one part of their fund and tokenize it. So this is, I think, a sign that in five years from now, this will be the standard. So we have unbeliever. Well, I, uh, thank you very much. I'd like to thank uh, Jaap Nils. Uh, I'm afraid to say it. Because <laughs> I said Petra at the beginning. Uh, I said chairman. Katja and Rudolf and Jaap, of course. Thank you very much. Can I have a, please have a big warm round of applause for our panel? Thank you for listening to the CMS podcast. 
Did you enjoy this podcast? Please visit our podcast channel and use the subscribe button to stay up to date on legal content. Until next time.